Well, if you haven't guessed it by now, we believe that Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. We don't know exactly how. We're trying to figure out what God wants us to learn from this book of Revelation as it pertains to our king's coming. But he will come back. And his kingdom will be set on this earth, a new earth, a new heaven, a new earth. And we will be with him as long as the ages will keep on rolling. So that's good news. Here in this passage, we're in an interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpets. Now, this is not a case of nothing happening, though. I believe that the interlude served the purpose of encouraging the followers of the Lamb, of reminding them that no, ba- no matter how bad things seem, that he is still is in control. And their faith in him will be rewarded, and they will be vindicated. Now, there's a lot going on here in these verses. There's a mighty angel with a voice like thunder, a little scroll, seven thunders thundering, and a portentous announcement from the mighty angel. In chapter 9, we saw horrific judgments poured out. And yet those on the earth, those who were wrapped up in the ways of Babylon, refused to repent and fall at the feet of the true king. Much like Pharaoh in Exodus, those who served Babylon hardened their hearts at each judgment. It is almost time for the seventh trumpet to blow. But there is some other business to take care of first. As chapter 10 opens, John tells us that he saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven. He describes this being as wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. Who is this angel? <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, there are other similar passages in Scripture that might give us a clue. In Daniel 7, Daniel describes a vision that he had. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days that was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So who did Daniel see in his vision? One who was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that shall not be destroyed. Sound like anyone we know? I heard a story about a little boy in a Sunday school class. The teacher was describing something. The teacher said, well, it has has kind of a long bushy tail, and it has little claws, and it likes to eat nuts and scramble through trees. And she asked the boy, what, what is this? He said, well, it sure sounds like a squirrel, but it's got to be Jesus. He's in a Sunday school class. so. Well, guess what? 
This is Jesus, really Jesus. In the Old Testament, the image of one coming with the clouds, a cloud rider, was used of Yahweh four times and the Son of Man one time here in Daniel 7. In today's passage, the angel is wrapped in a cloud. That's not exactly the same, but the cloud imagery is still present. This angel has a rainbow above his head. In Revelation chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, John sees a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Here John is describing a vision of God. In Ezekiel 1.28, the prophet describes a vision of the throne of God, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. This angel is further described as someone whose face is like the sun. Back in chapter 1, when John has his initial vision, he describes what he sees. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. In Matthew seventeen two, the description of the transfiguration says that Jesus' face shone like the sun. The angel's legs are like pillars of fire. In chapter 1, verses 14 to 15, Jesus is described as having eyes like a flame of fire and feet like bronze refined in a furnace. Not exactly the same, but pretty much the same idea. In verse 2, John writes, And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. This angel is standing astride both the earth and the sea, claiming dominion over the entire earth. His voice is like a roaring lion, somewhat reminiscent of the passage in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Lewis describes Aslan's roar. Aslan stood up, and when he opened his mouth to roar, they saw all the trees in front of him bend before the blast of his roaring, as grass bends in a meadow before the wind. In chapter 5, we saw the one found worthy to open the scroll, described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. So who is this mighty angel? Some scholars disagree. Shocking, isn't it? Some say it's Gabriel, while others say it's Michael. There are even some who see him as an unnamed angel, who is above Gabriel Gabriel and Michael. Other commentators say that this is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. That's what I believe. Now, we're not going to get too deep in the weeds as to all the things that are involved in that because, believe me, those weeds are pretty thick. 
But the description of this mighty angel in the passage fits the way that the sun is described in the Old Testament and even in the first part of Revelation, especially in those prophetic writings. I believe that in this passage we have the king himself standing aside the earth, astride the earth over which he rules. In his hand, he has a little scroll. We're going to save that till next week, though. In the meantime, when the lion of the tribe of Judah roars, the seven thunders sound. And the Greek word used in this verse means to roar. These are seven thunderous voices that roar. Often in scripture, thunder means judgment. First Samuel, the adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them, he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. In Second Samuel 22, first says, The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. Some commentators believe, and I would agree, that the seven thunders are the voice of God. Psalm 18.13, speaking of God's judgment, reads, The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Revelation 4.5 says, From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. What is the message of the thunders? Well, we may never know. John is told to seal up what he has heard and to not write it down. Why? Well, it could be that the judgments that are to come were too horrible to reveal. Or it could be that this is simply one of those times when the whole counsel of God is not going to be revealed. John has heard what God has said, but he's to keep it to himself. Much like the Apostle Paul, when he was caught up to heaven, he saw things, he said, which are not lawful to utter. He was not allowed to tell about what he saw. Now, in Scripture, the number seven many times denotes perfection or completion. Possible that the fact that there are seven thunders means that what they are saying is a description of the completion of God's complete and final judgment. In verse 5, the mighty angel who John saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants, the prophets. The angel swears an oath by God. Again, some commentators think that, well, God wouldn't swear an oath to God. So it must be another angel. But this is not really a contradiction. The writer of the epistle of Hebrews says that when God made a promise to Abraham, 
Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. So here you have Jehovah swearing by himself. His oath is that there will be no more delay. The time has come for that seventh trumpet to sound and for the mystery of God to be finished or completed as he declared to his servants, the prophets. So what is that mystery? Well, I believe there's three passages that give us a clue. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, Romans 16, verses 25 and 26, and Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. In Colossians 2, Paul writes that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Romans 16, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. And in Ephesians 3, how the mystery, this mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of man in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This same mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus throughout the gospel. The mystery of God is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that Israel awaited for centuries, and that the Gentiles, that's us, have now been included in his kingdom. It is now time for those who fight against him to be destroyed and for his kingdom to be fully established on earth as it is in heaven. The very thing that God's people have been longing for through the ages is right outside the door. Of course, if you read ahead, you'll find that Babylon and the enemies of Christ are not going to lay down their arms quietly. How goes the world? The world goes not well, but the kingdom comes. To quote C.S. Lewis again, Wrong will be right when Aslan comes in sight. At the sound of his roar, sorrows will be no more. When he, shakes his, when he bears his teeth, winter meets its death. And when he shakes his mane, we shall have spring again. Let's pray. Father, thank you.